Hello, beautiful. I'm your host, mindset coach, and travel junkie, Samantha Roberto, and I want to thank you for joining this conversation. We are a space of women empowering women, and each week I bring on an empowered woman to share her vulnerable story so that we can all learn and grow from one another. So go subscribe to get your weekly dose of inspiration. So happy July, people. We are officially halfway through 2020. 2020 is halfway done. We only have another six months to go. And I don't know about you, but my mind really likes to work with sort of dates. Like I really like to work with the months, say like 30-day commitments or, you know, three-month assessments or at the half year, the midway point, I always like to stop and reflect on what has been going well with my life, what areas I could improve on and sort of assess my situation. So now that we are officially halfway through the year, I really invite you guys to just take a pause. Think about everything that you've done, everything you've accomplished, everything that's come into place so far this year, or what really hasn't fallen into place for you, and consciously and intentionally start mapping out how you want the rest of this year to go. I know that 2020 is wild. It is a wild one. It is crazy what's going on in the world. But I do believe that it's important to constantly sort of check back in with yourself and recalibrate the direction it is that you are going. So if you are somebody who is looking for a little bit more support with the direction that you're going, and you wanted a little bit more hand-holding with that, I have an incredible resource on my website. Go to samantharoberto.com, and at the very bottom, there is a free gift for you to help you tap into your vulnerable and empowered side. I am constantly saying this and I will say it again, awareness is everything. Like having the awareness to how we are living our lives is really the first step in any form of change. So doing different inquiry work and getting curious about yourself and exploring how you're feeling is huge. It may sound easy, but you got to do the work. You got to actually like take the 10 minutes a day. And honestly, it doesn't take long to do, but if you can develop a habit of getting curious about your life, it's that literally can be a game changer for you. So go get the resource, samantharoberto.com. And for anybody who is really struggling or at a point where whether it's in your relationship, whether it's just with anxiety, overwhelm, depression, you know, when you're feeling like you want that extra support, I've partnered with betterhelp.com to offer you guys an additional 20% off their already very affordable rates. So just go to betterhelp.com slash hello beautiful and you will be able to claim that promotion. So the last thing I'm going to share with you before we jump into this week's episode, and guys, I am so excited about this week's episode, but if you are looking for a community of supportive women and a space to feel uplifted and positive and just to really take your personal growth to the next level, definitely join our Facebook group. Uh, we will include it in the show notes. If you you know go into the Facebook search, Hello Beautiful Community, join us there. Come join the conversation. That's where we talk about a lot of different topics in the episode and really just have a space to connect. So on that note, this week's episode, it is probably, actually it is the most special episode that I have done to date. It is episode number 43, and we are going to be celebrating birthday number 60 for my mama. And she is who I brought on today. I brought my mother, Kelly Roberto, the infamous Kelly Roberto, for those of you that know her and love her dearly. My mom, like, where do I even start with her? She is a bird of her own feather. She literally beats to her own drum. She is one of the most loving, most compassionate, most kind, most open-hearted women I know. And honest to God, we just have such a blast together. She is, like I said, so much fun, does not take life seriously at all, although she is responsible, but just has always had this energy of playfulness and fun. 
It was really funny. About two weeks ago, I found a bunch of old photos of my mother and actually of my childhood in just over the years and like all of her photos from the 80s and 90s. And she was just always so done to the nines and so glamorous and always smiling and just really had this radiance about her. And you know what? I really do think that radiance is going to shine through in this episode. And I'm just so excited to share my mother with you guys and have her come on and share her voice of wisdom and her voice of reason with you and just share some of her biggest life lessons that she's gone through the 60 years on this planet. It's funny, I'm actually in the midst of planning a surprise birthday party for her. But by the time this airs, the birthday is going to be over. So I'm super excited to have fun with her too. Spoiler alert for my mother's birthday cake. It was so funny. Like she's got the type of personality. When I called yesterday to get her birthday cake made and I was thinking about the message that was on there, I told them to write happy 60 and I added another zero. So it actually says happy 600th birthday Kelly. And then in brackets, I put P.S., Don't worry, we won't tell anyone your age. So I know she's going to love that. It's going to crack her up, but I almost want to go one step further. And I'm going to ask you guys who are listening right now to stop for a minute, screenshot this episode and go to your Instagram stories and tag us in your stories, tag the Hello Beautiful podcast and just say happy 600th birthday, Kelly. And I'm going to just make sure my mom sees the episode, spread this episode, get it out there. It's going to drive her nuts, but in the funniest way possible. My mom is like the biggest prankster guys over the years. If you only knew, honest to God, she lives for the pranks. She lives for it. So I would love to get her back and just literally get as many happy 600th birthday Kelly messages or whatever you want to put on Instagram as possible. So thank you in advance for your participation (laughs) in tormenting my mother. (laughs) I got to get her back whenever I can. So in the episode, you guys are going to see our dynamic, our relationship. And the thing that I love about it, like my mom has got so many words of wisdom and it's crazy. Like when I hear her talk and when I hear her stories, I just more and more realize that I am her daughter. Like, you know, when you grow up and you're like, I don't want to be anything like you. Like, I don't want to be like my mom. And it's just, you have this thing. And then as you get older and older, you just look back and you're like, oh my God, we are actually the exact same. Yeah. I had a lot of those moments as we were recording this podcast, but the one thing that I do want to share and one thing that we do share in the podcast that I think is especially powerful is that you'll see how close my mother and I are, but it actually wasn't always that way. So we have been each other's biggest teachers in this lifetime. We've had each other's biggest lessons going through this life with each other. And for anybody who is struggling with their relationship with their mother or with your daughter and going through a challenging period or moment or months or years or whatever is, just know that no matter how bad it is or no matter how awkward it may be or even if you don't even talk, it's like things change and things can kind of move around. And I really hope that our episode inspires you to just send love to your mother or your daughter, even if energetically right now there could be blocks within that dynamic. So on that note, I'm really, really excited. We're just like jumping right into the episode. And best part is my mom, actually, I started recording without her knowing. So you actually see our dynamic and it is pretty hilarious. So on that note, let's get to it. Major gulp. I didn't take a major gulp of your coffee. Holy moly. (laughs) Holy, that's like trying to get it as much as you can, as fast as you can, lips on my coffee cup. That's what that's telling me because I meant doing a lipstick analysis, the deepness, the suction, you're just like, and holding it for a long period of time. Guilty as charged. Anyways, (laughs) on that note, everyone, let me introduce you to my mother. Guys, we've got Kelly Roberto in the house. And as you just heard, I just got busted for drinking her coffee. (laughs) In like 30 seconds when my back was turned. I had a sip. I had a sip. I had a sip of her coffee. And the only reason why I got caught was... Lipstick? Was because of lipstick. 
What's your number one rule as a mother for all of the girls listening? We're going to come off right out of the gates with value, ladies. The message from my mother. Put your lipstick on. Always wear lipstick. lipstick. There you go. Brightens up your smile. Brightens up your face. A W. Look good, feel better. Look good, feel better. And this is my mm-hmm. mother. This is my mother's mantra. I'm so excited to bring her here today because she is looking pretty fine. And she mm. is a couple of days away from turning... The queen is turning. Am I allowed to say your age on here? I love my age. How old of you? Of course you can. <laughs> How old are you turning, Mom? You know what? If I was a hundred years old, or ninety, or eighty, or seventy, I'd be looking at myself and saying I'm a spring chicken. So I always think that way, and I am turning sixty. Sixty years young. Yes, sixty, 60 years, years young. young, or seventy years young, or eighty years young, or ninety years young. We're always as young as we think we are. As we think we are. So, how Done. old do you think you are, Mum? Well, I went through my midlife crisis when I was twenty and twenty-five. So after that, I'm just happy, and um, I'm turning sixty on Canada Day, which, July first for all yeah, the Americans listening. Which I love because I'm actually Canadian and. For my whole life, being in Canada, there's always a celebration, and we're always on holiday on that day. So, so. how old, say an age, how oh, old yes. How old do you think you are? I feel like I'm probably in my 30s. Okay, but how old? Mm, 34, say. Okay. So, almost my age. I'm 33 as we record this. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm a little bit older than you. Oh, so yeah. funny. I think my body feels good. Like I'm, I feel healthy. I feel blessed. I count my blessings all the time. And I think that helps. So I'm excited to bring you on to celebrate you, your 60th birthday and get all of your wise words of wisdom from all of the years that you've been on this planet in this lifetime. What would you say are some of the biggest lessons that you have learned looking back in your 60 years being here? Probably. One of the biggest lessons is realizing doing this as an affirmation is that I am enough already. And I think that makes a big difference in our lives. And I think that we are the creators of our lives. And if it's to be, it's up to me. I can't blame others for, for any of my circumstances. I have to, uh, to be control of my own life and just be grateful. I think by reading books at a younger age and opening my mind to different courses has just made a huge difference, has helped me get through, has made my life enriched and has helped me through difficult times in my life. And the thing is with all of these books that we read, courses that we take, people that we talk to, you take out the things that are resonating and feels right for us. But really, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if it's not used, and when everything's going great, you don't need all this stuff. It's really, when things are going wrong, go to your toolbox and start practicing doing your affirmations, counting your blessings. I think that with myself, having my sister, your aunt Caroline, who passed away, that was like a huge impact in my life. And whenever I go in my life now, I'm like, you know what? How bad is this that's happening? I'm alive. I'm the lucky one. I'm here today. I don't want to waste it. So right off the bat, acknowledging that we're alive. And then if you're upset, go cry punch a pillow if you have to, uh, do whatever. I don't mean like hold everything in. You still have to have your emotions because we're like, we're of this human race, but you don't have to be stuck. And that's the thing, really getting unstuck and look for joy in the world. If you look for good things, some people might think, oh, she's got flowered glasses and she doesn't see reality. Well, you know what? My reality is flowered glasses. (laughs) That's what I make. And things that I don't like, I try to change. I don't just want to stand back and complain about it. I think to myself, well, what can I do? Mm -hmm. What example can I be? What Or what can I physically do or mentally do and do something about it? Is this something that you've 
sort of like taken on since you were a young age, learned these lessons and had these perspectives? Or is this something that you had to learn throughout your journey? And was there a catalyst moment that just got you to sort of a, a rock bottom moment where you were like, okay, I've got to pull myself up from here? Lifetime journey. Lifetime, Lifetime journey. journey. I think that when I was small, like just little, I used to do my prayers at night. I always used to finish with, I want to bless everybody in the whole wide world. So blanket, I don't care who you are. I bless everybody. I don't care how old you are, what race you are, what religion you are. I want to bless the entire humanity and animals, everything, like just live in peace. And that was kind of just in me for some reason. And I think as I got into my teens, I ended up getting a book called The Magic of Thinking Big Mm -hmm. by David Schwartz. And I read that book. And that's like, it's a long time ago now. But that was the first book that I read in this type of mindset. And then from there, I ended up getting other books. I started listening to Wayne Dyer. Og Mandino, yeah, he definitely changed my life. And actually, I'll probably cry because when I found out Og Mandino died, mm-hmm. I cried so much because I never got to thank him. And I just, well, I thank him every day. But his words of wisdom and all the people that write these books little gems of wisdom that you take and implement into your life. I sound like I'm depressed now, crying, but I'm not. <laughs> it's tears of love. It's, it's, yeah, it's tears, tears of joy. Of jo- love and joy and gratefulness. So to all the, the people that are helping, thank you. Because all these people in our past that have come and gone, the people that are here and the people that are coming, that are into making this world a better place, is huge. So like, I think now we all just have to stick together, rise up and hold hands and like uh, make this world what it really is supposed to be. Loving, period. Essentially all do our parts. And like, what I love about this is that there's Mm -hmm. a few things that you said, how open your mind, explore, read a book, learn. If it resonates with you, take it. And you don't really know, like who would have thought there was a moment in your life when you were that little girl or that teenager where you picked up this random book. And who would have thought that that moment would have been such a catalyst in your life to open you up to a whole different perspective. And the beautiful thing with life is that every single moment, There are those moments for those miracles that completely can shift us and change us and just open ourselves up. And the other thing I really love about what you just said is just, you can feel the love, the Mm. love, like with Ogmandino, when you just brought him up, the impact and the love that he has had on your life and the gratitude by him stepping up and doing his work and doing his part. Look at this right now. He's passed away about a decade ago. I think it's been, no, Uh, it's been 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 a a while. And if you haven't already, if you don't know Ogmandino, do yourself a favor right now and pick his book up. Oh, yes. Yeah, he's an amazing author. Gems of wisdom for your life. He's got this one book. He was almost like... Mission Success. Well, Mission Success is one, but then another one he's got that I read when I went to Morocco with Simon the first time. I had it with me. Oh, Return of the Rag Picker? No, not Return of the Rag Picker. Choice. Not Choice. The Choice. Um, there's another one where he actually took all these different self-help books and took the main message out of them and like put them down into a chapter. So this is one book by Ogmandino. I'm so sorry because I don't know the name right now, but if you're listening to this and you want it, send me a DM on Instagram and I will get it for you. And it literally has all of these books of wisdom, mm-hmm. like dissolved down to these chapters. Yep. So you can go through and just literally blow your mind. Mm-hmm. I read it when I was in Morocco two years ago, the first time when I went with Simon. And I was just like every single day reading a new chapter, learning so much. The reason why I brought that up again was the impact that by him doing his work and stepping up, whatever yes. his part may be, look at the trickle effect. And here we are 10 years later, you know, feeling the love of that. Totally. And, and we all have that capability. We all have that responsibility to play our own parts. And I think that with this kind of a journey, it's not like you read a book and you're done and then your life is fixed for for life. Uh, I mean, here I am 
this year, I spent time uh, with Brendan Burchard. Oh, yeah, that was so fun. Yeah, in um, California. And then we saw Jack Canfield. Yes, we did. So in Toronto, and that was great. And just, it's a constant thing. And you walk away knowing, having extra tools in your tool bag. I remember, I can't remember exactly where I got it, but I remember this quote that I picked up somewhere and it was called, this one thing I do. So for for anyone out there that sometimes I was married, I had you four kids, we had a business, um, you guys were all doing sports and this and that and laundry and just household things. And I had a mantra that I learned in a course and all it was was this one thing I do. When I was emptying the dishwasher, I'd say this one thing I do. Doing the laundry, this one thing I do. So instead of getting overwhelmed with all the different things that I had to do, I just like broke it down, broke it down, broke it down. And it made me, I still went like crazy, like trying to do everything. Far from perfect, but it, I would have been a lot worse doing all this if I didn't do that. It really kept me more grounded. So for all of you mothers listening, yeah, yeah. my mother had four children we were all essentially almost two years apart and we were rambunctious. We were wild. We were crazy. It was an animal zoo in our household. Yes, totally. <laughs> so she like literally, and plus running a business and doing other things, like it was, it was a lot. So Swimming, dancing, soccer, taekwondo. We were in and all. We literally yeah. did everything. So yeah. it was a really great childhood. We had a very, very good childhood. But, you know, to be completely open and honest... And the reason why, you know, we want to be honest here is because like when you bring your vulnerable stories to the table, it can help other people who may be going through things. You know, my mother and I, like it might sound like we're best friends right now, but we went through a decade. You sure? Yeah. Where we almost couldn't even talk. There was such a jarring energy between us and it was energetic. Like there was complete, it didn't even have to do with anything else besides the fact that there was just this jarring energy that stemmed, I think when my parents, they had a very... Bad divorce, a very long, drawn out, emotionally draining, exhausting, public, challenging divorce. And like, I feel like the kids were kind of put in, not the middle of it, not the middle, but you know, it was a lot. It was, it was difficult. And that when I was probably 17 to about 27 caused a huge rift in our relationship. So I know a lot of women I talk to or a lot of people and clients I talk to, they're just like, they have this thing with their mother or they have this thing with a family member and it's just there and they don't know how they're going to get over it. They don't know if they'll ever get over it. And I just look at them and I think, you know, trust me, I have walked that path. I have gone through it. There is another side. And like, you will look back and I'm actually looking back at our situation and I'm sort of grateful for that decade that we went through that and we had to navigate through that. And even though it was really, really challenging, like I feel like we both grew so much from it. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. So how do you feel about that? I'm glad we're through it. It's part of our past. And I think the journey continues. And being on a positive path is always the way to go. And my mantra is, if it's to be, it's up to me. I have to own that part of it. And that's just part of life's lessons. Nothing is permanent. So there's, there was definitely challenges in life. But then it's like getting through those. And that's really where some of tools in life help. This too shall pass. That's another thing. Mm -hmm. And it does pass. But we worked it out and we're where we are right now. But it takes work and, but it's possible. Anything's possible. Yeah. So for anybody listening who might have a bit of a challenging relationship or might have, you know, even their mother gone or just struggles with challenges with their mother, can you be a voice? of a motherly voice to them right now, just sort of tune in and just share a message from one mother to a daughter. Okay. So what I'd like to say is um, you're making me think about uh, when I was at the last Burning Man last August and I had made a sign, big sign, 
and it said hugs from a mom mm. and I'm a mom. So my whole thing was this year at Burning Man was hugs from a mom and I had also made a stamp, be kind. So for the whole time I was there, my whole mission at Burning Man was hugs from a mom and be kind. And uh, I hugged everybody and every people came to me that lost their mom or were fighting with their mom or hadn't talked to their mom in 30 years. And I just kind of said, your mom loves you. And that was the way that it was for you. But with that embrace that I gave, I honestly, um, people were crying. I was crying. It stirs up emotions for people. And being a mom, I would be like their mom in that moment. And it was an honor to be able to share and healing for probably me and, and for them. It was healing all the way around. So I'll be everybody's mom right now. <laughs> I'm sending out a hug for everybody. And I'm just the best that I can be. I might not be the best mom. I'm not the worst mom. But I'm a mom, and I have love for everyone. So I'm sending everybody out there a big hug. Aww. I've got my eyes closed, and all children, we're, we are all, and you are all children. So sending tons of love. And that's, yeah, I mean it. That's beautiful. Yeah. Motherly energy coming through. And then the other... um so that was a big sign, and I did that lots there. And the other one is I just did a little stamp with man on it, and underneath was be kind. Mm -hmm. And I would stamp everybody's um, Burning Man book, the inside cover, what they had. And we have discussions about just being kind to one another, whether it's just smiling at each other, acknowledging each other. The best days I have is when I mentally, before I go out and plan the day, I, I'm going out to the world and looking at everybody as my brother and sister. And you actually have it. It shifts your day around. Totally. Like you, you just like, wow, that's my brother. That's my sister. And you, and it just stirs something and you have a better day because you go out there. You're not alone. You're with your whole family. This world is your family. Total connection, right? Mm -hmm. You go out and you feel connected. And it's so ironic because I think loneliness is one of the biggest things that people struggle with. And the mm -hmm. only reason why essentially we're lonely is because we sort of block ourselves out from that. Like we all have the capability, like you mentioned before, every single day doing the work, showing up, maybe even opening up your perspective to look at everybody as a brother and a sister and doing that. All of a sudden you look and you're like, I'm really not that alone. No. And helping people, just little acts of kindness. It's like you feel better yourself. Totally. You're helping somebody, but right away... If your feelings, well, there's that saying, I felt sorry for myself when I had no shoes and until I saw someone with no feet. Mm -hmm. So just um, getting out of yourself all the time, mm -hmm. not all the time, but do you know what I mean? If you think you've got things are going down, it's just keep moving, moving up. Keep moving. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ch change the direction of this combo a little bit sure. because you mentioned Burning Man and I definitely mm -hmm. want to bring up Burning Man mm -hmm. <laughs> for you. Sure. So I've got a cool mom if you haven't already sort of picked up on that. She goes to Burning Man. She's done Vipassana. She's gone skydiving. She's backpacked around the world. It's pretty fun. And you really approach life in a way of let's go have fun. And like you said at the very beginning of this, you are the age that you think you are. Totally. Right? Yes. So what is what does Burning Man mean to you? Because when people find, especially burners, I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I burn with my mom. They look at me, they're like, oh my God, your mom is so cool. I want to meet her. <laughs> no, and I, then, I say my, my kids are so cool. They come to Burning Man with me. <laughs> so we got, okay, we're all cool. We're all cool. We're living a pretty cool life over here. But what does Burning Man mean to you? Burning Man is a um, group of people from all over the world that come together. It, it can be the craziest, but it's a place that there's no judgment. There's creativity. There's gifting. There's respect. There's um, uh, community working together. There's art. 
Oh my God. So much good art. Oh my God. The art is incredible. Friendship, Mm -hmm. um, away from money. The only thing you can buy there is ice, tea and coffee. Mm -hmm. So you, you're self-sufficient. You bring all, all your food, all your, uh, drinks, everything, your shelter. And, uh, it's a community that gets together, um, and just can be free expressing themselves and, and humanity, the capabilities that we see that the things that people can create is just mind blowing. I'm just, uh, amazed at what endless possibilities so, and there's workshops, there's people doing yoga, there's, um, it's pretty much it's, the coolest place on the planet. It, it if you haven't just, <laughs> it yeah, really there's is nothing like it on this earth. It's so funny. Cause I was really in my travel days prior to my mom going to Burning Man. And you know, when my mom first started going to Burning Man and she came back and she would share about it and talk about it. I was like, that's weird. Like I was very much in a state of judgment and like, that's weird. What are you doing? What kind of crazy things are you doing? Like there was a lot of, I I really lived in labels, Mm. but through letting go and through traveling and through experiencing the world, I really deconstructed so much of my life and had Mm -hmm. so much personal growth in those years. And my mom would tell me for years that I was going around the world. She's like, you need to come to Burning Man. It's the coolest place. I'm like, yeah, mom, but have you been to the full moon party? Yeah, mom. (laughs) Have you done this? Hey, yeah, mom. Have you gone here? Like, you know, Rio de Janeiro, like all of these cool things, but like nothing. And I've went four years ago was my first burn. This would have been my fourth burn. I've been every year since. Nothing has held a candle to Mm. the experience in the playa. And pretty neat that we got to experience it together. Totally. Yeah. So well, what's three, something three out of well, yeah and Rudy and Amanda too. We there. go with the family, yeah. so it's actually yeah. pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Can you share like a Burning Man story, but like maybe just not something that your daughter wouldn't want to hear? Oh God, um, <laughs> I think just going out and seeing what people are doing, the art cars, jumping on art cars, like being on a ship where you're in the desert and you're on a ship that holds 300 people and there's a DJ or they brought a 747 there and turned it into a nightclub. A 747. So they bring a actual 747 jet onto the playa mm-hmm. and they turn it into a nightclub yeah. essentially. And it's one of the most wild and it's like a three story nightclub. Yes. And it's like way, way up in the air. Like you have to climb the staircase to get up there. And it's just amazing DJs, cool light shows. You're partying in a jet. Everybody's in costume wearing the most wild outfits you could ever imagine in your life. And people are completely free. Yeah. And, um, I remember one year we were going to the temple and all of a sudden we saw The temple is a very sacred place where if people go online, they can see the temple or the different temples each year. And it's a very sacred place where people will bring things from loved ones, mementos or pictures, or it's just, you go in there and you can feel the intense energy of people who passed away, people have passed away, people that have animals or loved ones or whatever they'll put pictures and then on the night of the temple burn the whole temple gets burnt it's really beautiful but one time we were going walking towards the temple and all of a sudden there were all these black rock rangers and police force and it was like crazy burning man is a is a city for a week they have um a private airport they have a hospital it's a city but there was lined up of police force. And I'm like, wow, what's going on at the temple? Maybe we shouldn't go there right now. We ended up going. And what was happening was, I guess, during the year, a police officer had passed away. So they were doing a ceremony for the Burning Man police force. And it would be all these policemen all dressed in their in their uniforms and with all the burners all lined up and shaking hands and the burners giving condolences. And it was like two societies coming together. It was the most one of the most beautiful things, just like we're all in this together, one world. And it was just loving and respectful. And um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Because it really is like at Burning Man, like the officers are the ones who like are controlling it, are the ones, not controlling yeah, keeping, it, but keeping, keeping order, safe, keeping, keeping everyone order. safe. Yeah. And we need that. Yeah. So there to be 
be respected. It's definitely something to uh, to learn from and go out in society and it's really like a, a basically a loving society, I think, and not so much on the commodity and more on the creativity of what we can sculptures that are just spectacular art cars. Um, like there's a street people from New Orleans come and they they built a whole bourbon street and there'd be all the musicians from New Orleans. Or then there'd be like the French Quarter where the people would erect French cafes with baguettes and, and croissants and coffees. And and uh, they just said, whatever you have to give, you give. Like say, um, uh, if you're a psychiatrist, or, or a social worker, you could put a desk in the middle of the desert and just say, if you want, if you needed uh, to talk to someone, you could go sit at their desk in the middle of the desert. There's no, you don't pay or anything. You just sit there and they'll listen to you and talk to you. But that goes for like every profession that you can even imagine. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's about gifting. And it's also about leave no trace. There'd be 70,000 people there. And when they're gone, you wouldn't even know that there was a human being on that space because a little sequence is picked up like the smallest little thing you pick up everything you no garbage nothing leave no trace respect the earth like there's total yes and workshops about respecting the earth there are all kinds of workshops going on too it's got it's crazy out there wild stuff but it's it's no judgment and really just people uh free to express themselves my thing, my expression, and my message is hugs from a mom and um, be kind. Mm, yeah. I love it. And it's yeah. so funny because after going to Burning Man and experiencing it, I see its influence all over the world. So people go there and they have like 70,000 people from all over the world go there, have this week or 10 days of radical loving experience of like just embracing no yes. judgment, all of these things. And you're forever shifted. You're forever changed. You don't go to the playa and leave the same human. I feel no. like there's little shifts within you and you take that with you. So it's like when these 70,000 people go back out into the world, they are more conscious about the environment. They are less judgmental. They are open-minded. Like it really is something, an event that is dramatically changing the world. Yes. So for me, there's two events that I've been through that I'm like, hold on super high standards. Burning Man's one, Vipassana meditation is the other. And you actually also introduced me to Vipassana. Yes. So what would you say would be like the number one takeaway that you got from the Vipassana um, which is essentially a 10-day silent meditation experience. Mm-hmm. And for those of you listening that are kind of curious about this, I actually did a whole episode right after I came out of my last Vipassana back in September. So if you go back to episode, I think it's episode six six or seven around that time, you can actually go hear an in-depth episode of what it is. But tell us, what is the number one takeaway from Vipassana that you've gotten? Well, my first Vipassana um, was done... Uh, in northern Minnesota with uh, Aaron May and some other friends. And um, we did it before 9-11. And I remember when 9-11 happened, I thought if the world did Vipassana, we wouldn't have 9-11. Vipassana is, it's Buddhist based, but it's non-sectarian. Doesn't matter what religion you are, what race you are, what age you are. It's, It's really about going inside and being quiet and doing some really deep house cleaning from like these sinkatas that come up, they can be released through Vipassana. So you feel when you do Vipassana, you feel so much lighter, clearer minded. Their mantra is may all beings be happy. Mm-hmm. And um, also everything's impermanent. Like everything is is always changing. It's easier to go through life knowing that you're not going to be stuck in one thing. Everything's going to be shifting. Everything's changing. So I recommend, um, I love that pass and I'm really glad that you've done it. My son Rudy's done it a few times and, and your sister Amanda. And we did our first, your first Vipassana together. Yes, we yes. did. And that was yes. just over two years ago. And I seem to remember you saying the whole way through, 
when you came out of it. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, that was so easy. Okay, yeah. so I gotta tell the yeah. story. Okay, okay, we gotta go tell the story. Okay, it. so my mom go. and I. Okay, so my mom and I. We did my first vipassana together. So this is two years ago. Wisconsin. I actually just had met Simon, my partner, the weekend before I went to go do it. So I met him in Toronto at an event on the weekend. I went, flew back to Thunder Bay on the. Monday, I think. And then we drove to Vipassana on the Tuesday. Like it was very close after. Mm. So we went, did our 10 day silent meditation. And when we went through, like my mom and I, like imagine being with your mom in this close quarter, but not being able to look at her, talk to her, touch her. You're sort of like, you're always, your eyes are always on the ground and you're literally just like so connected, but so disconnected. So there's this one moment, actually, there's two stories I want to tell from this Vipassana story. So one moment, we're about day seven at this point. We had gone seven days of being like, literally like eating in the same lunchroom, you know, on the same schedule, moving around like the same way, but not no eye, commu- contact. No eye contact, no communication. And there's a bunch of other strangers around us that we don't know, but like there's my mom and I. But and we I, know I never, we're both there. But we know we're both there. So it's like, you know that your mom's there. And, and it's funny because when you're in this situation of a Vipassana, you actually notice the little like things that the people around you do. So even though you don't look at them and have eye contact, like you're totally aware of like the habits, the way people walk, what they do. It's become so hyper aware of like your surroundings that it's just fascinating. But on day seven, I noticed that every single day, every single breakfast, my mom would cut half a piece of toast, a half a piece of raisin bread. And that would be a part of her breakfast. She would get a little bit of fruit. Like it was a very light diet. Mm. And she would get fruit first and then afterwards she'd go get her toast. So I sat down and I had my toast, my raisin bread, and I had my thing and my mom had her fruit and she's sitting there and I cut my raisin bread in half and I'm eating half. And I was just thinking that there was this other half and I knew that my mom in a few moments <laughs> was going to go, was going to go up and cut half a piece, go toast it and butter it herself and then eat it. So I was sitting there and a part of me, like my soul was almost like, give it to her. Like, give it to her. Like, there was this little voice inside of me. that And you have to be discreet. But you have to be discreet because we're not supposed to communicate. We're not supposed to do anything. Actually, this is bad. I shouldn't even be telling this story. I feel really bad. If you're listening, do not tell on me. Do not share this (laughs) with anybody. Not my my most proud moment. But at the same time, I'm also proud of it because it's just, it was so freaking funny. It's a moment in life that we'll always remember. So... I was having this internal battle of, do I do slide it? Do I slide the toast over? The, with nobody noticing. Yeah, like, and I'm like worried because there's other girls around. Like, are they going to notice? Do I give it to her? Do I not? And I was just like literally this internal battle. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And she was sitting across from me, but sort of diagonally. Yeah. But there was no one really right beside us. So it was like we were close enough. Like her plate was we not could get that far away. away with we it. could maybe get away with it. But she had no idea that this was coming. No. So this is all happening within me. So all of a sudden I go to pick up the toast and I kind of like look around to make sure that nobody's really watching. And I almost frisbee it. It was like a wrist flick. And I just pick it up and I wrist flick it across and it sort of lands near her cup, like on her side. And I, honest to God, energetically, it looked all of a sudden, my mother's reaction, I wish I could show you all of a sudden, it was like, all of a sudden something hit her energetically. And she was like, just shocked. Like, oh my God, what was that? Totally startled. And laughing. And then all of a sudden she just started laughing because she realized what I had done. There was this little moment, this little exchange and all of a sudden, because it And you're landed. not allowed to laugh. You can't make a move. You oh, can't do anything. Oh, super, <laughs> super strict. But all of a sudden there's this moment and it landed near her cup where her thing is. And I, I did it. I could see it kind of startled her. And then all of a sudden her mm-hmm. hand just kind of went up and it almost like a claw just like landed, <laughs> landed on the toast, drew it back into her and then she started eating it. So we had this exchange day seven. We didn't look at each other. We didn't say anything, but it was just like the most loving exchange. And it was always almost like, I'm here for you. I see you. And she knew that like, it was just this loving Probably the like the most loving piece of toast you've ever had. Oh in my your life. god! Oh, but laughing, but get me. But then oh, she the started tears laughing, coming down, and you can't. You, when you want to laugh, the loudest you've ever laughed in your whole life, and you cannot move your face. You can't let you. You can't make a noise. You can't move your face. Have any expression, and you're holding in. Probably that was one of the funniest things that it was crazy to have to hold that laugh. And then it, if I just kind of moved my eyes, I knew you were there. And if you were, I didn't look to see if you were smiling, but it was, that was 
It was it, worth it. Oh my God. It was, it was worth it. That was like one of the most priceless moments of yeah. like the best piece of toast in your life. Yeah. And then the other thing, so that was day seven and then day 10. So you get to day 10 and all of a sudden we're able to talk. Once you get to, I think it's like four o'clock in the afternoon, you get to all go and have dinner together. Like you're, we, you we go from completed your vow of silence. You've, you've completed your vow of silence. You've done 10 days of yeah. silence. You're done. And then you go from totally. noble silence to noble speech. So you're able to talk, but you want to be mindful of the words that you speak because you've literally have not used your voice at all. So now it's like being mindful and having noble speech for what you talk about. So then we all, we all went to the lunchroom and we we're able to talk with everybody. And all of a sudden everyone's sharing about their experience. And everyone's like, Oh my God, day three was so challenging. Day seven, I wanted to run away. People would ask me, like, how was it? And I was like, honestly, it felt really blissful. I'm like, for me, it felt fine. Like I felt so at peace with the experience. It felt really, really good. Like, yes, there was discomfort. Yes, there was pain. But overall, I felt, I didn't feel like that. No. And people were saying like, I was just, I reached this point where I wanted to literally break free and you're planning your escape and you're thinking you could leave in the middle of the, the night. That was on the seventh day walking the perimeter of the property and I could see a car drive by in the distance, in and the far distance. Yeah. So we all went through, we all shared, and my experience was fine. But yeah. right after that dinner, we had to go do one last sit before it was officially done. So one last hour, hour and a half meditation before it was done. And it was that meditation that got me. I went back in, I sat back down, and the entire time, it felt there were like literally bugs crawling <laughs> in my skin I have never wanted to leave anywhere in my life so freaking bad in my life. And I was sitting there and I had just done 10 days. No problem. I'm fine. I'm listening to these experiences. Like, what are you guys talking about? And I go and I sat there and I wanted to jailbreak. I was close to just being like, screw it. I'm done. And like leaving. It was so bad. Well, I remember Samantha when that when you found out you were all happy because you did the ten days. The moment you found out you had to go in there, resistance came full yeah. force. You're like, "What do you mean I have to go back into silence? I already did my retreat. I'm done." And I'm like, uh, "Samantha, you're not done." She goes, oh, "I've already done it." Well, this is we're still in Vipassana. We haven't left yet. Yeah, but why can't we leave now? I think it's. I think we should start packing up and leave now. And I'm like, it doesn't work that way, my dear. So your resistance for like that whole time you made up for, for in that last meditation, you literally pretty much had to be dragged back in there, full force resistance. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'll remember that forever. Oh God. Yeah. That yeah, was, yeah. You I, just wanted to leave. Oh, I wanted to go. And then, and that's the thing. I was like, oh yeah, it was blissful. It's fine. What do you mean? We got to go back. And then that's, yeah, that's when it came <laughs> in. And my mom's like, yeah, you're not done yet. I'm like, what? Oh, it was, it was honestly exactly as I said, it felt like there were bugs crawling in my skin. <laughs> Get me the F out of here. And then I remember we were driving away. So we ended up like sleeping there and the next morning. We finished our meditation. We were leaving. And uh, they say, I remember I said this. They say that everybody leaves Vipassana so happy. They say, <laughs> and I was literally like, I looked at my mom. I said, "Yeah." I said, "Because you're out. You feel like you're like you're free. No wonder why they say everybody leaves Vipassana so happy. It's because we are free." And oh my god, like I couldn't wait. But that said, you went back and did it again, pulling it back. Yes. I actually do. Like I yes. really honor. I honor it. I love it. I think it's such an incredible experience. Yeah. It is a life changing experience, and it's something I really, really stand by. But that was just—it's an interesting story to be able to share here. Totally. Of how the resistance hit so freaking hard. Oh so, yeah, you were in full force. That was your thing. So, so, so one other experience I want to talk about. We talked about Burning Man. Mm-hmm. We talked about Vipassana. And mm-hmm. this is with my 60-year-old 60 year mother, by the way, almost 60-year-old mother. Like, yeah. we, I don't want to like go with the fact that it is your birthday this week. Yeah, and we nice. have brought you on to celebrate you. Oh, Another crazy you. experience you've done was skydiving. Mm-hmm. What did you get from that? Um, skydiving, you guys were, ooh, I probably was in my maybe late 30s when I did that. And um, that was conquering one of, uh, that was fear. Fear face on, probably the most fear I've ever experienced in my life. And um, I'll try and uh, make this as short as I can, but um, I had brought you kids strawberry picking and uh, we were left these fields by Gammondale Farms and all of a sudden we saw parachuters coming in. 
And I'm like, wow, I pulled over a minivan and we all stopped and watched them land. And I thought, wow, that looks pretty neat. <laughs> I never thought about parachuting before in my life. And then about a week later, I met someone that had done it. And um, they were talking about the Winnipeg skydiving team came here and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I just saw them. It looked cool. A week later, this person came back with their phone number and said, they're coming in two weeks. So if you want to do it, here's their number. I'm like, oh my God. Okay, you've taken the time to give me the number. Now I have to be respectful and I at least have to phone. So I remember being um, at our cottage and making the phone call and just inquire. And they said, yes, we're coming back. It's going to cost this. She said, I gave me all the rundown. I go, oh, great. Oh, well, thank you. And then uh, and then that was going to be it. I, at least I, I investigated it. I really didn't think I'm going to do it. And then they said, oh, well, maybe it'd be a good idea if you leave your name and number. We can put you on the list because if you don't put your name down, you decide you want to do it, we might be full. You won't get in. I'm like, you want my name? Oh, so I gave my name. As soon as I hung up the phone, it's like I had this bit of a commitment and my heart started going and I started getting worried. <laughs> I started like, oh my God. And then fear started coming in, fear and doubt. I've got four small kids and half of my brain is saying, are you crazy? Who do you think you are? Go jump out of a plane. You've got four small kids. And then the other half of my brain saying, are you going to listen to that? Are you going to listen? let fear take you over? Basically, I had an internal battle for two full weeks. I actually lost weight. Okay. So then uh, they were coming on a Friday night for classes and in the meantime, I was really selective who I would tell that I was thinking to do this. I had signed up for it. I'm on their list. And uh, Auntie Lori was, was one. And she said, oh, great. We'll bring all the kids. And she'll videotape it. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm going to bring my four kids. She's bringing Casey and Jesse, my niece and nephew. So now there's going to be people watching me. So I go on the Friday night for the classes. And... It's a videotape and there's this lawyer behind a big desk and he's saying, do you realize what you're planning on doing? Do you realize you could die? For two weeks, that's all I thought about. I could die. I'm like, I'm crazy. Don't do it. And uh, and then after the lawyer behind the desk, you see him take off his jacket, put on a parachute. Yeah, you got to do it. And it was all on the <laughs> video. I'm like, oh God. So I stayed through the class and at the end of the class, I, I talked to the instructors and they started asking me questions about what we took. And they go, yeah, you're going to be fine. Just do it. So the next morning, I'm waiting for Auntie Lori to phone me. And that means it's time to leave. And in my mind, it's like the guillotine person's coming. When the phone call comes, you're going to. This, this is the end, right? <laughs> you're walking the plank. Yeah, you're walking the plank. That's how bad the fear was. So I get there. I look up in the sky. When I was with you guys two weeks earlier watching the parachutes, it looked like very close and landed. It looked really fun and better than that. Now I, now I get there in reality. You, If you look outside on a cloudy day, look for the highest cloud that you could find and the farthest. And then the people jumping out of the parachutes were like little ants. I'm like, no way. I'm like, I said, sorry, Auntie Lori. Sorry, Lori. I can't do this. They start putting the parachute on me. And I'm walking towards the plane and I am in full fear mode. Probably the, the most fear I've ever been in my entire life. My heart was racing, literally pumping out of my chest. I wanted to throw up. I was in full fear. So the moment that I put my second foot onto the plane... It was like someone went on my back with their hands and went up with their two hands all the way up my spine, all the way up. And I literally, literally felt fear being lifted out of me when I put the second foot on. My heart rate went down to normal. I had no fear when I got onto the plane. It was crazy, but it was, it was amazing. I remember, um, this it's kind of, it's often that way too. It's like, there's so much fear built up in the anticipation of doing something, yeah. but the minute that you step in and do it and yeah. you commit and you're all in, yeah. it's gone because fear is it just false reality yeah. created. False images appearing real. No. False images? Or not images. Evidence. Images, evidence. 
False evidence. That's it. False False evidence evidence appearing appearing real, real, right? So the minute that you go all in, that false evidence appearing real isn't real. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay. I'm fine. I'm safe. But literally I felt it. It was not just the mind. It was physical too. It was actually, it was physical because I felt fear being lifted out of me. And then I felt my heart rate go right down to normal. And when I got on the plane, we started going up. There were two other people on the plane. Well, there were four. There was the pilot, the instructor, and then there was a guy that maybe a guy 10 years older than me and a guy 10 years younger than me at the time. And I was late thirties. When we went up on the plane, I was told that that it's a bit rattly, you know, because it's a little bit windy. And uh, I was told that that can be kind of scary. didn't bother me. And then someone said, when they throw open the door, you know, you just look down and it's 3,000 feet. You just throw open the door and you're sitting on a floor. You're not, you're not sitting in a chair on this little tiny plane. But that was totally fine too. And ironically, the older gentleman on the plane was having full force fear. Mm-hmm. He was panicked. He was what I was for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, I was calming him down. Mm-hmm. Like like just seconds ago, I was the chicken. But now I was like, I was so aware of where I was and what I was doing and so good with it. And um, so they threw open the, the door. The younger gentleman went first. And then it was my turn. I, I went by myself and just... Uh, I told the guy when uh, they put a walkie-talkie on you, and uh, I said to the guy on the ground when they were fitting me, I go, talk to me in English. Talk to me up, down, left, right. Like, don't Basic. tell me 300 <laughs> degrees on this and that. Keep it as simple as possible. And then I also said, I have four kids. I have to live. And then the guy said, I've got kids too. You're going to be fine. So anyways, I ended up doing it. And it was probably one of the most exhilarating things that, um, the most fear-based thing that I've ever put myself into. I mean, since then, I've done some, I've gone caving and I've gone climbing and done some other things. But this definitely was crazy fear, conquering fear. What was the feeling you had when your feet touched the ground? The whole feeling, it wasn't even just the feet, it was like the whole from getting on the plane, whole experience was so intense. That whole, it was like not just the feet, it was like that. No, no, no on the ground, like when you landed. I know. Felt the same as when I was up there. It was like this one piece of just like high. Yeah. As soon as I got on the plane, it was like I was flying, like in a different oh, way. It was, so like, it was like the minute that you actually on plane, got on the plane, was, as it was as similar, similar as when most people would experience when their feet go on the yeah, ground. No, it was oh, as cool. soon as I got on that plane, it was like I was in total awareness. Bliss. Total awareness, total, total, total Every single thing. And then... They uh, sold me like the video. I bought everything. I bought the pictures. I bought the video. And then they You needed the proof. Oh, yeah. I needed the proof. Totally. And then they were like telling me how good that I did. And you'd be a great skydiver. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'll see you later. No, I did it. It's like check off my my, uh, things in life. So I'm still even to this day so proud of myself for for, um, feeling the fear and doing it anyway. I, I did love that, that. So feel the fear, take the jump. Yeah. Do it anyway. Literally. Take, take the, the leap jump. of faith. Like that is yeah. actual little literal example. It's yeah. crazy because throughout this conversation, I'm just realizing so many things that I teach, so many things that I share, so many things I talk to. It's like they're actually messages that are derived from you that I've been able to experience too, mm-hmm. that I'm passing on as well. Yes. Take the leap of faith. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Jump. And another thing I'll just kind of touch on, like with you public speaking and anybody out there that's doing public speaking, um, if you've got something that's really important to say and to share, I, I find that getting yourself out of the way, you're doing it. It's not for yourself. It's for the, for the benefit of everybody. Yeah. So that always helped me right away for like in my career or anything that I was doing where I had to do speaking. I just, um, uh, some people would say, you've got to be kind of planning things, but a lot of the stuff that I talk about comes straight from the heart and yeah. it comes like, I don't like to get in, I'll write little tiny notes right, right before, and then just here, put me there. And I'm, I'm a hundred percent good to go. I just try and get myself out of the way and give a message that can encourage, mm. um, people. Cause we want to, we want to lift people up, mm-hmm. not hold people down. Mm-hmm. We want to make get... it light, make life fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. And when you get yourself out of the way, it's like all of a sudden it's just so much easier. There's mm-hmm. so much less ego involved. It's yeah. just like you said, it comes from the heart and you can yes. do the things that really scare you. It's like, let's just do it. You've got this one life to live. Yes. Go ahead, grab it by the reins and yeah. like live the life that you want. Yes. So looking now that you are turning 60, what do the next 60 years have in store for you? You're young. You've yeah. got like, you've got so much life ahead of you. I like, think I do. What is something that you want to do? Something that you want to declare right now on the podcast, make it public and just say, I'm going to do this. Well, I think what I want to do is I'm going to continue to try and make people's lives better. Like I try to live by example. I try to make goals. I remember with um, my business, uh, you know, I had my own business. I worked with women that were going through chemo with wigs, hair replacement, that type of thing, and um, loved with a passion my work. But some people would say, um, if we're talking from a business and making goals, when I opened my business, I didn't work on Saturdays. I worked certain hours. I put my own, I figured out what I was going to be doing. And that's what I did. And I ended up, as you know, getting a house in Mexico. And some people would say, oh, how could you leave your business? How could you do this? How could you do that? You could do anything that, like I talked to people that had their business for like 40 years, had taken maybe one, two weeks off, off a year. And here's me taking off for like six months. I think you can create the life that you want to create. So I'm kind of living what I set up. And I think now I want to get clearer about helping others create the lives that they want to achieve. That's where where I want to be an example, help people if they need guidance. I think that's really the direction of my life. Very beautiful. So no big bucket list items that you want to do? No like swimming with great white sharks? I did. Or- I did. I went swimming with the sharks. Oh. <laughs> I, I went in uh, La Paz. Okay. Yeah, I, think I, what I think what else that. is wild. I went to uh, Mexico and I did do that in La Paz. I just happened to be there at the right time. I always wanted to go backpacking. I went backpacking in my 50s. And we went all through Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand. I went on different trips, Uh but just, and I loved staying in hostels. I love backpacking. I love meeting people. And it's not too late. I'm not into uh, saying I'm too old. Mm -hmm. I totally, oh my God, my life's just like starting. Like I can do so many exciting things. We put the limits on ourselves. I love that. Like we, yeah. we put the limits, just break the limits and talk to people, meet people. I mean, I grew up traveling family. My dad owned a travel, your granddad owned a travel agency. So my whole upbringing is um, travel. So, and meeting people and seeing different cultures and, and getting along and going the extra mile to just be kind to humanity just like that's my that's where I'm going to be doing just focusing in on that and if I can make a little difference and I think everybody every human being some people think uh, oh I'm just one person I can't make a difference I don't believe that Mm -hmm. I believe every single person can can make a difference so like Nike says just do it I love it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's that easy. So I would, like, if I just had to say a couple of things to people out there, like, do your affirmations, give yourself credit, Mm. lift yourself up. Gotta lift yourself up before you can lift others up. Like, make sure that you Mm self-care, look after your mind, your body, your spirit, make goals so that you're not just wandering around and you don't have any like kind of mission and or or things that you want to accomplish in your life. And don't forget your lipstick. And don't forget your lipstick. That's my my mom's word of advice. Never. Always put your lipstick on. It's yeah. like wear your lipstick, get your game face on, and then totally. just go do the darn thing. Just go do the do it. So on a final note, one last question for you before we, we let you go. Mm-hmm. Out of your four kids, who is your favorite child? 
Oh, well, that would be you, of course, because you're right here. <laughs> Whoever's in front of me of my children are my favorite <laughs> at I, that date. You're all my favorite. Uh, well, thank you so much. If anybody wants to reach out to my mom, send me a DM and let me know. Give a message. I will pass it on to her. Or you can also email her at believeinbeauty05 at gmail.com. Feel free to wish her. Let's bombard her with birthday messages. So if you've listened thus far, send me a message. Wish my mama a happy 60th and cheers to another 60 more to go. There you go. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Don't forget, if you haven't already, stop right now, screenshot the episode and go Put this in your Instagram stories and wish my mother a happy 600th birthday. Come on, guys. I really need you to pull through for me and tag the at Hello Beautiful podcast. I'm going to make sure she sees all of the dozens and dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, <laughs> of hilarious birthday messages that are going to come through her way. And it's really funny. Did you guys notice just how similar my mother and I are? I wasn't kidding. I'm like, the more I hear her and the more I see the way that she is, I just realize I am exactly like you. And at this point, I just hope I age like her too because she really does make 60 look radiant and look good. So on this note, if you are new to the podcast, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here today. Don't forget to subscribe. And we actually have 40 other amazing episodes. So if you are ready to level up your life and you really want to dive into other fun inspiring conversations, go check out some of our past episodes. We've got an array of topics from all different experts in a variety of different industries that are all geared towards leveling up our lives and really showing up as the best version of ourselves. So the details of our life matter, the books we read, the conversations we have, the podcasts we listen to. So I really encourage you to do something that is going to be good and help you show up as the best version of yourself. So on that note, thanks again for tuning in. And next week, we have another really inspiring conversation with my beautiful new friend who was living her day-to-day -day life like usual. And she said one day when she brought her groceries home and as she was putting her groceries away, she had what she called an oh shit moment. And for her, this oh shit moment is when she realized that she was actually living a life that she wasn't really meant to be. And she didn't know the woman who was in it. So she really had to go through the almost like Elizabeth Gilbert eat, pray, love journey of letting go of everything in order to truly find herself. And now she is happier than she's ever been. So get ready because next week we have a really good episode coming for you. And until then, keep being you, be beautiful.